Hey everybody, it's Maddie C. Welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. It's really great to have you here. This time, another audio essay. Patriot Games and the Detroit Lions. The sports fanaticism and the know-nothing bro class that have risen to power in the wake of Donald J. Trump. Let's get into it. everybody, it's Matty C. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I've got another audio essay for you. This is uh, basically an audio sort of short-form podcast version of written work that's appearing on the blog, and I'm posting these as I'm posting the essay, so you can even listen to these. If you're listening to this in the podcast feed right now, you can actually listen to these in the article or even in the email as a subscriber, so uh, make sure you're taking a look for that. If you prefer to listen to these as opposed to reading them, maybe you uh, have a commute, and this is a nice way to absorb stuff. Uh, I don't know, but uh, whatever. I hope you're enjoying this, and if you like this sort of approach to these, um, I would love to get your feedback. I'd love to know what you think. I'd love for you to say, yeah, I want more of these or less of these or a specific kind of these. Um, Any feedback you can give us is always great. Um, as always, make sure you're liking, rating, and reviewing the pod wherever you get it. Hang on one second. I got to hork some coffee. Mm. So much better. Um, like, rate, and review the pod wherever you get it. If you listen to it in a player outside of Substack, it is especially helpful if you subscribe there so you make sure that you don't miss any episodes, and it helps our download count kind of stay uh, as accurate as possible, and then that way um, we can make sure that we're attracting new listeners. Uh, All right, let's get on to the essay itself. Patriot Games and the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions won their division, the NFC North, for the first time in 30 years this season. It marked a true high point in a remarkable run of poor form for a team that is a noted laughingstock of the National Football League. When the Lions last won a division title, I was a young man of just 21 years and I followed every snap with anxious enthusiasm. My knowledge of the team, the division, and the league as a whole was encyclopedic. I read the newspaper each morning and listened to sports talk every afternoon. Routinely, I would call into some of my favorite radio talk shows to share my opinions or my concerns about the Lions' hopes for a deep playoff run. Even the guys on talk radio had to acknowledge that I knew my shit. I watched, studied, and listened intently. I was an enormous fan and a student of the game itself. In that 1993 season, the Lions failed to win even a single playoff game and have spent the last three decades in the veritable football wilderness. Now, they are back atop their division and considered one of the favorites to make a deep run into the NFC playoffs. Some pundits even have them as a pick to win the Super Bowl. It's worth noting here that the Lions have never won a Super Bowl. They have never even appeared in a Super Bowl. The last time the Lions won an NFL championship was in 1957. 
It would be another 10 years after that before the first Super Bowl was even played. The Lions winning a Super Bowl is the low-rent NFL equivalent to the Cubs winning the World Series finally in 2016. 30 years on from that 93 season, I have grown away from the game of American football. My ingestion of sports as a whole is down to a mere fraction of what it used to be. What is left resides almost exclusively now within the confines of actual football, known to you as soccer, and the Detroit Tigers. If I thought very hard about it, I might be able to name the head coach of the Detroit Lions and perhaps as many as three players on the roster at best. In short, I know nothing about the team I once loved or the game that I knew so well. I honed most of my basic argumentative skills as a young man debating the ins and outs of football and baseball at our extended family gatherings. As I got older and learned more, I became confident enough to share my own opinions while the adults talked. At first, I was largely parroting what I had heard others say, but I began to watch and to listen enough that I could formulate my own ideas from time to time. While my family were encouraging and supportive, they were not prone to just giving me free passes. If I had forgotten about someone in the bullpen in my approach to a late-season run, I would hear about it. It would be delivered in a jokingly affectionate way, but it was still a smackdown of sorts. If I wanted to hang, I would have to know my shit. So, I learned my shit. As I listened to games, I studied batting averages from the newspaper and looked at last week's lineup cards to chart changes. I could name every switch hitter in the American League by heart and tell you who was leading the league in stolen bases or runs scored. To use the parlance of our times, I had done my research. If I was confronted with an argument that I knew to be false, I had the confidence and the data to challenge it. When I was proven out to be correct, I was supported again and encouraged by my family and my elders. My knowledge and my interest and my perspective were all valued, both because I was loved and because I knew what I was talking about. I was rewarded for having done my own homework. I was raised in a world where knowledge and truth were firm and held no favor. The rules were the rules and the facts were the facts. At a family function this fall, I overheard a number of family and friends furiously debating just how good the Lions would be this year. It was early in the season and hopes were high. I listened and smiled with a beer in hand and thought of how wrapped up in it all I used to be. There were names of players, coaches, and even play formations that might as well have been in Greek to my ears. I was truly clueless. I stood idly by and just watched the good-natured debate play out. Eventually, someone turned their head my way and said, Matt, what do you think? Frankly, I was a little stunned. It had been a very long time since I had been a part of one of these discussions, but I was flattered to be included. There was the tiniest part of me that wanted to see if I could still hang 
without knowing much of anything about the current state of the National Football League. That thought, thankfully, quickly passed, and then I began to scramble for a way to politely extricate myself from the discussion without sounding as though I was shitting on their debate. The truth is that while I don't enjoy American football much these days, it was nice to be in that room for just a few minutes again as a fly on the wall. I was happy to be there for a bit and just eavesdrop. But now I had been outed as a voyeur and was being asked to participate. I struggled for a clever way to talk about it without really talking about it, a way to make a joke and an exit while also saying to the group, I do still have a bit of an opinion. Wink. I let out a big sigh and stood up a bit straighter as I prepared to walk away from the table. I took a swig in my beer, and I replied, It's been a very long time since I watched the Lions with any real attention. Seems like they might be really good this year. I hope that happens. All I know is that in my lifetime, even with the greatest running back the game has ever seen, the Detroit Lions have always found a way to eventually just be the same old Detroit Lions. A chorus of hearty chuckles filled the room. I felt a small bump of pride. With just a couple of sentences, I had managed to avoid being dragged into a debate about a subject on which I knew very little. But I had also made it clear that I had an opinion based on years of futility as a fan. Lastly, I had managed to deflect any possible tension with humor. A pretty deft handling of the matter if I do say so myself. It would have been a fool's errand to engage in the debate without knowing anything. It would have also been disrespectful to just respond that I didn't care for such petty matters. So, I framed a quick joke, and then I showed that I knew enough to be let off the hook. And then I was back to the barbecue. As I strolled around the party for another few minutes, I began to fixate on the situation that I had just exited. It was a scenario where I was expected to have an opinion that was informed, based in fact, and built upon the trust for a certain set of truths that were taken for granted. I needed to be aware of the principal parties involved and be attuned to their strengths and weaknesses. To hang in that crowd, I would need to be armed with statistics, trends, and proof for any and all arguments to be taken seriously. I needed to know the game inside and out to even take part in that discussion with any degree of good faith. As I drove home, the nagging sensation began to grow louder and more persistent. Examining the set of criteria that were in place, it was obvious that for me to discuss the Lions or the Spartans or my Tigers required knowledge, expertise, and research. If I failed to prepare properly, I would be rightly rebuffed. If I offered bad information or false statistics, I would be shown the error of my ways. And this was all to discuss a fucking game. In the 30 years since the Lions last won their division, I have spent a great deal of time studying and learning American history and political thought much of it time that I used to spend studying the Lions. 
I was even such a nerd in high school that I worked on the failed Michael Dukakis presidential campaign in the fall of 1988, despite the fact that I was two full years away from being legally eligible to vote. Things have only gotten worse since then. My daily routine involves listening to at least three news and public affairs podcasts, one from the BBC, one from Reuters, and one from independent producer Pete Dominic. Those first pair, by all accounts, are two of the most objective news sources in the entire world. The third leans progressive, but it is still deeply rooted in a search for the truth and is based on the concept of ethical journalism. Additionally, I spend several hours each day reading and pay attentioning, paying attention to sites like the Associated Press, National Public Radio, The New York Times, The Washington Post, and more. I do not claim to know it all, but I do have a fairly good idea of what is happening in the world and around the country. I trust my news sources in the same way that I trust ESPN to give me an accurate score for the most recent Tigers game, and not just the score that I want to hear. If one of the nice folks at that table who knew his lions inside and out came to a party at my place and we had a group of folks discussing a national health care plan, they would be welcome to join our discussion. Their viewpoints would be listened to with respect and given thoughtful reply. Those points, however, would need to be just as well informed about the issue of health care and how to pay for it fairly and effectively as I would need to be about the Lions and their defensive philosophy. Instead of holding political debate to the same level of knowledge expectation as a professional sport, politics has become the new bandwagon sport, and rabid fandom seems to come right along with it. There is clothing, merchandise, team colors, and even hats to make it seem more like they're in uniform. These folks root with the same abandon as they would for their favorite team while at a drunken tailgate but with none of the context or knowledge that they would give to men playing a game for money. When real lives are on the line with issues like education, health care, voting rights, reproductive rights, and foreign policy, it seems an opinion is worth far more than experience or education. Look no further than the treatment of Dr. Anthony Fauci. Where I might be laughed at for not knowing the current defensive coordinator of the Lions it appears that it matters not if your idiot cousin has no clue who the Secretary of State is. You should still hear him out on what's happening in Ukraine. Even worse than being uninformed is the obstinate refusal by some of the new political advocates to learn on the job. Instead of finding factual information or accepting hard truths, they mine the dark corners of the Internet for flawed conspiracy theories to use as a convenient excuse. When the truth is constantly changing, nothing is ever true. Still, there is seemingly ne never any punishment for those that refuse to know the rules of the game, the way it is played, or the stakes at hand. These nascent political acolytes are hardly willing to give the same credence to meaningful public policy that they would give to a weeknight Tiger game in late April. We are debating ways to change the actual everyday lives of Americans, not just balls and strikes.
At a recent gathering, an attendee, who shall remain nameless to protect both the innocent and the guilty, began to rail against socialism. I did my best to remain calm, and I asked what they were talking about. In essence, this person was concerned that a group that he kept referring to as they would soon own up to roughly half of the housing inventory in America. When I asked who they were, I was told it was four huge real estate companies. With a note of sarcasm in my voice and a smirk on my face, I will admit, I replied, that's a monopoly caused by unregulated capitalism. That's not socialism. Socialism would help fight against that. Even still, what you're worried about is unchecked capitalism. Oh, well, the government's part of it, too, he shot back. I said, well, if the government is doing its job on behalf of the people, it would regulate a monopoly like that. The problem is that at this point, a couple of family members stepped in and tried to stop the discussion before it escalated further. I agreed to stop. And then I attempted to simply finish my sentence and offer a polite end to the discussion. As I begin to utter my next phrase, the attendee in question looked at me and snarled, You can go ahead and stop talking. I wasn't fucking listening to anything you were saying anyway. Here, in essence, is the problem. The lack of listening. I'll admit that I could be better at it. But the studying and daily information routine that I absorb are all a form of intentional and deliberate listening to be informed on the facts and the facets of the issues of our time. Now we have reached a point where a relative at a family function cannot even be bothered to listen to something he might disagree with. This utter lack of respect and investment from those who claim to be willing to debate is baffling and unacceptable. Bravado and posturing have now replaced true debate techniques like research, context, and philosophical reflection. Furthermore, this bro class of would-be political scientists is only willing to present and accept the facts that support their arguments. They are armed with nothing more than malformed conspiracy theories, toxic masculinity, and fragile egos. Yet these are the same crowd that regularly wear merchandise brandishing the phrase, Fuck your feelings. And you'll find them calling the progressives in their wake snowflakes. In reality, these fragile, ignorant, and stunted dudes are the true snowflakes. When they arrive into a discussion based on policy ideas, extensive knowledge, and compassion, they melt as quickly as snow hitting warm pavement. The only thing that surpasses their cluelessness is their fragility. Public policy and the way it affects the lives of day-to-day Americans ought to secure more of our attention than grown men or women playing a game. Any game. If you can take the time to know the intricate details of your favorite team's offensive system, maybe you could at least know the name of your United States representative. These would-be political ideologists want to be fans without the knowledge. They seek to engage in the passion and the glory of the game with none of the investment or any of the research to genuinely understand how the game is played and what the facts and stakes actually are. Instead of constantly shifting the rules to always achieve some perceived phony victory, 
They could instead play the game honestly and with heart to see the best idea and not the best team emerge victorious. Sport is fun, entertaining, and even necessary to our culture. It is still, though, just a game. Elections, politics, and public policy are not a game. They are a complex system of disparate parts that affect the real lives of everyday people. When your team loses in the playoffs, you naturally feel bummed out. But when public policy renders you homeless, sick, or bankrupt, it is more than the disappointment of loss that you'll feel. It is truly a life-or-death situation and not a meaningless game. We should start acting once again like there is a difference between the two. Cheers. Maddie C. Thank you.